Good morning. Good morning, Pastor. No one that I know likes a know-it-all. While this is true in matters of science, math, grammar, politics, it's especially true in matters of the heart and the spirit. Conceit is the enemy of humility. And Paul is going to specifically tell us not to become conceited. He's saying, don't be a know-it-all. Don't think more highly of your opinion, your experience, your wisdom than you ought to. We don't really need the so-called spiritually elite around us. I'm talking about those who have an exalted opinion of their own spirituality, of their own progress in Christianity, and seem to have figured everything out to the point where they can lecture everyone else about how to live and what to believe and what makes sense. They know what the church needs, and we would all be better off if we just listened to them and let them make all the decisions for us. You see this attitude, this, this conceit, all over social media. I know best, my opinion is right, you should listen to me, repost this so I can get affirmation, then you might just be as cool as I am. It's not helping us, is it? We don't need that in our Christian walk. What we do need are co-laborers, friends on the journey, people who will walk side by side with us and help us understand and figure out this journey together with us, humbly as fellow travelers. There is another barrier to good relationships in the body of Christ, and that is the barrier of envy. Envy is wishing lustfully to have what another has. There will always be inequity in the way gifts and resources are distributed and in the way gifts and resources are earned, even in the body of Christ. When we become fixated on what someone else has that we do not, we are not likely to want to share their burdens. Why would we? They have more resources than we have. Why would we be concerned about them? You can see how envy creates barriers. Envy isn't primarily about the inequity of resources and possessions. It is primarily an unwillingness to be, to be satisfied with what I have or what I have been given. I will never have a proper relationship with some brothers or sisters in Christ if I allow envy to creep into my character and thought life. Paul is going to directly address the problems of conceit and envy because the practice of these makes it impossible to get what we really need. And if we don't know that we need fellow travelers, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment and failure. So this is Galatians 5, starting in verse 25, and I'll read all the way through Galatians 6, verse 5. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, 
and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Walking in step with the Spirit, as Paul invites us to do, this is a community venture. Yes, we listen as individuals, but we should also be listening as a community. We need to talk about what we're hearing and what we are learning and what we're understanding. True communication isn't just a matter of hearing something. True communication is receiving a message and then putting it into my own words so I can test that what I'm hearing is what was really intended to be sent. And the way I put what I'm hearing into words and share it with others for the confirmation of the message really completes the communication model so that what I'm hearing is really what's being said. Notice that Paul gives specific advices to help us understand how to walk together in fellowship and in faithfulness with one another. His first advice, restore the sinning brother or sister gently. That means confront in private gently. Well, how do you confront gently? Gently always brings feelings of worry and anxiety and, I mean, con confrontation makes me nervous about those things. How do I do confrontation gently? Well, I think one way is to ask questions and make careful statements. Questions like, I'm worried about you. I don't see you in church as often, and it seems to me that you're always pasting, posting on Facebook that you're doing this other thing. Or, or brother, are you all right? You seem to be frustrated and angry lately. Or, or sister, is everything all right between you and Shirley? You used to be close, but now it seems like you're avoiding her. Or, or simply maybe, is something wrong? You don't quite seem to be yourself lately. Private questions, intimate questions, questions between friends. I'm not sure you really have the right to confront anyone who isn't your sister or brother. I mean, if you don't already have a relationship, there probably isn't much that you should say. However, I would point out that Paul is assuming that everybody in the body has a relationship because of the common spirit that indwells each of us. We wouldn't, we wouldn't dream of confronting a brother and sister in Christ in anything other than humility and genuine concern. I mean, that's how brothers and sisters treat one another. And we would be happy, maybe even anxious, to get an explanation to our question that would prove that our observations were wrong, that there wasn't anything amiss, that we were just misunderstanding what was going on because at heart, we have the best interests of our brothers and sisters in mind all the time. 
And, and the only motivation for confrontation ever is love and concern, right? I mean, our goal isn't to make sure everybody thinks exactly the way we do so that they can be right like us. That would be confrontation in conceit. Our goal is loving concern so that our brother or sister's foot doesn't slip or to keep them from getting turned off the right road to the right or the left. We, we always speak in love and concern. And of course, there is another incentive for being gentle and that is we probably know that the day is coming when we will need to be confronted. And we should be able to hope that we will be confronted gently, privately, and compassionately in the same way that we've confronted others, right? We, we want folks, at least I want folks, to tell me if it's obvious I'm moving in the, right, the wrong direction. I want folks to ask me, I want them to say, did you mean this? Or, or, Pastor, what you're doing, this doesn't quite seem to stack up with what you're saying. Or, I need folks to help me stay on the straight and narrow, just the way you do. And, and I hope that you will be confronted in the way you confront others, and that will be in gentleness and compassion and kindness. Beyond just confronting, however, we are instructed to carry each other's burdens. That's the definition of empathy at some level, walking in the footsteps of a brother or sister. How do you carry the burden of your brother or sister? It starts always with knowing one another well enough to know that there are burdens that they are carrying. We can't live isolated from our brothers and sisters in Christ and expect to know what's going on in their lives. There has to be a conversation. There has to be sharing. Without that kind of interaction, it's impossible for Christians to live as God intended. Lone Ranger Christian isn't a thing. It just isn't. If you think you're strong enough to do it, then you are conceited and fooling yourself. There isn't a Lone Ranger Christian thing. We've been reminded in Scripture that kind of pride goeth before a Thank you. So first of all, you have to be conversationally connected to other Christians in order to participate with them in the journey. Secondly, you must care about the burdens others are carrying. Empathy. When we do that, when we, when we feel a burden for the the things that others are carrying, we know that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. For it's love for others that the Spirit pours into our hearts by His presence, right? He comes as the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of compassion, the Spirit of love into our hearts. And, and when we feel that reaching out to others, we know the Spirit is at work in us, helping us to do the things He's calling us to do. We need connection. We need love. We also need a willingness to sacrifice for others or we'll never get involved. I mean, it's not pleasant to carry burdens, ours or anyone's. It's work. I mean, if it were all pie and ice cream, Paul would never feel the need to tell us to carry other people's burdens. We would just do it naturally. It's precisely because it is hard and difficult and unpleasant that Paul reminds us how necessary it is 
especially since we're going to have our own burdens from time to time that will be too heavy for us to carry alone. That's really what this is about, isn't it? I mean, Paul's acknowledging that there will be from time to time burdens that are just so heavy, just so debilitating that we're not going to be able to carry them by ourselves. And we're going to have to reach out for the support and encouragement of our Christian brothers and sisters if we're going to manage our way through these things. Lone Ranger Christians get crushed in times like that. And we don't want anyone to be crushed. We don't want anyone left behind. We don't want anyone to fall to the right or to the left. We're invested in reaching this heavenly shore together. And so we have to be available, especially in times of crushing burdens, to support one another. It's interesting to me that Paul quickly adds that this command to carry one another's burdens isn't a cause for any among us to be slackers, right? Even though our brothers and sisters in Christ are called upon to help us, we're still responsible for bearing our own burdens as much as possible. You understand what he's saying, right? If all you ever hear is that others are supposed to help you bear your own burdens, then the immature among us will say, hey, it's my church family's job to help me carry my burdens, so I will just quit my job and live off the kindness of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, that would be to take advantage. That would be laziness and irresponsibility. No, we all work as if the burdens were ours alone to bear, but we share our concerns so that others can support us as we seek to do everything in our power to honor God, all the while looking for ways that we, even while carrying our own burdens, can help carry the burdens of others. Even when we need help ourselves, we reach out to others who are in need. You might remember the citation in Paul's letters where he commends the generous spirit among those who were most poor who were quick to help others even out of their poverty. That should be indicative of us. In other words, we pull our own weight and we look to see if others need our help at the same time. Some folks think the next verse, chapter 6, verse 6, is simply Paul reminding the folks that they need to financially support the teachers among them. I think perhaps there's a little more in view here. You can look at the verse as if the good things to be shared are the good things you learned, the insights that you gained from Scripture. The conversation surrounding what I am hearing from Scripture ought to be a rich and continual conversation. This is the essence of Sunday school or of Christian education or of small group time together. These are times when I talk about what I'm learning it's times when I have the opportunity to find out if, if others are hearing the same things from the word that I'm hearing, or if perhaps I'm off on some tangent. It is so easy for us, especially when we are in isolation, to think we are hearing from the scriptures the things that we want them to be saying to us. I mean, our hearts are prejudiced. They want to hear what is easy, convenient, comfortable. So
So whenever there is a verse that, that hints at what our hearts already want, we jump on it and fashion it to conform what we want our ears to hear. Last Sunday I quoted uh, the passage from Matthew 11 where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So you hear a verse like that, and you say, ah, rest, rest, rest. Rest is what I need. Rest is what I want. Uh, and it, o- it may only be later in the conversation that your sister in Christ says to you, yeah, but did you hear the rest of the verse? The part that says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It, it's not a verse that just says rest, rest, rest. It's a verse that says exchange the burden you're carrying for the burden of Christ and then you will find rest for your soul. The rest you will find will be released from sin and shame and guilt and all the entanglements and oppression of this world. And you take on the yoke, the burden of Christ, if you will, which is freedom in the spirit and love and compassion. And in that exchange, you will find rest. But this rest isn't just siesta. This isn't just rest from the rat race you impose on yourself. This is a a switching, an exchange that will produce rest for us. And that's why we share what we learn. That's why we talk about what we're hearing. So that there's someone else near us who loves us and cares about us who's saying, buddy, this isn't just take a nap. There's more that this verse is saying. And if we're going to stay on target, we need to know the truth of God's word, not just what our heart is telling us God's word may be saying because it's what we think we need. You never get humble conversation with people who are conceited and know everything. You never get close enough to share burdens with people you are envious of. You never get to journey honestly with people you are comparing yourself to. Conceit and envy rob you of the very thing you need to prosper and to grow in faith and life. They rob you of honest Christian friendship. Christian friends are the asset that we need to survive when life is hard. And living in step with the Spirit, which was Paul's leading statement, ought to provide you with Christian friends, allies who will pursue Christ together with you so that together you may live to the glory of God. Isolation kills. Isolation deceives. Connection with brothers and sisters in Christ through the Spirit of God brings life. It reminds me of the passages in the Gospel of John where Jesus is talking about himself as the vine and reminds us to abide in him, to stay connected in him. And it's not just us individually connected in him, it's all of us. All of the followers of Christ staying connected in Christ, abiding in him, that we can live and be fruitful in terms of the kingdom of God. It is increasingly difficult 
during these COVID-19 times to tend to the friendships, the brotherhood and sisterhood that is ours in Christ Jesus. It requires additional effort. We should be using those telephone lines and those free cell phone minutes every opportunity we can to stay connected to each other because our connection is vital. And if there are things that impede those friendships, then we need to repent of envy, repent of conceit, repent of constant advice giving. Ask for the Spirit's help in the area of humility. Ask the Spirit to give you an attitude of contentment. Pledge yourself to listen more than you speak. Commit to gentleness in your conversations. Look for those who need Christian friends and be that friend. These are Paul's advices to us that come from the Word of God. Let us live in step with the Spirit that we may glorify Him. And now may the one who began a good work in you carry it on to completion. And may He grant you the joy of being the kind of Christian friend that will walk many folks to that great day together with you. To the glory of God. Amen. Mm -hmm.